Hello, and welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinSoft.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. Jake Skolfein, musicologist and author of Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk. If you don't have your copy, get on over to Amazon and pick one up. You'll be so glad you did, and also makes a great gift. Whether you're watching or listening, as always, I thank you very much for your continued interest and support in the program. Speaking of which, if you don't already subscribe, do so. You'll get the show before others get to see it. You'll get special features. It's a great deal. It's free. How can you go wrong? Also, tell a friend, tell family we need that support. Show these artists on this program that made that fantastic funk, jazz, and R&B music that you support them and you support the program. This episode features bassist singer Gary Granger, a founding member of the 1970s R&B funk band Pockets, and his younger brother, drummer percussionist Gregory Granger, who joined the group after its first album. The Baltimore-based band was Earth, Wind & Fire bassist for Dean White's protege act and cut three albums in which he served in a producing and songwriting capacity. Others from the Earth, Wind & Fire camp also contributed, including Maurice White, Don Myrick, Al McKay, and Louis Scatterfield. And Pocket's first tour was his opening act for Earth, Wind & Fire's All in All tour. With the lead singer and Larry Jacobs, who channeled Tower of Power's Lenny Williams, Pocket's came out of the gate fast in 1977 with what would be its biggest hit, the infectiously catchy and upbeat Come Go With Me, and the debut album Come Go With Us. Both the song and LP peaked at number 17 on the R&B charts. Other highlights from that record included One Day at a Time, which harkened to Earth, Wind & Fire's classic reasons, the bouncy and funky In the Pocket, and the classy ballad Elusive Lady. The band's second album, Take It On Up, was even better, with more fully realized songs and more assured delivery. The hooky title song flaunted the influences of Pocket's mentor band, with verses reminiscent of Earth, Wind & Fire's funky Saturday night. The track reached number 24 on the R&B chart and the album hit number 22. With slick and powerful horns popping throughout, other highlights of the 1978 album included the fast, bass-driven Funk It Over and the terrific earworm Happy For Love. While the latter song was released as a single, given its Earth, Wind & Fire pedigree, that brought to mind that group's fabulous cut, On Your Face. It should have been a much bigger hit than its number 51 chart placing. And the ballad, Lay Your Head on My Shoulder, had some of the flavor of Earth, Wind & Fire's All About Love. At that point, Pocket struck out on its own tour-wise, sharing the stage with many of the prominent funk and soul acts of circa 1978. Unfortunately, the third time turned out not to be the charm for Pockets as its 1979 album, So Delicious, was to be its last hurrah. It was no coincidence that that collection was its least successful, both artistically and commercially. The title track, an unusual mellow number marked by some tasty flute flourishes, peaked at number 34, and the album climbed no higher than 43. And bringing in more outside contributors and pushing more toward a disco direction, the album pulled away from some of the key elements that had helped Pocket stand out from the pack. A notable exception was the thumping gospel soul and funk of Your Heart's in Trouble, 
which was egregiously overlooked and not released as a single. While Pockets did some limited touring in support of So Delicious, members were getting distracted by other projects and by 1980, the group had called it quits. In 1981, Gary and Greg Granger teamed up as the Grangers on the funky single, Shine Your Light. The brothers then went on to play and perform with numerous other artists in the jazz and R&B genres, ranging from John Schofield to Whitney Houston. In the mid-1990s, they teamed up as Granger and have released two contemporary jazz albums under that name. Since 2003, Greg Granger has also served as a band member of the smooth jazz act Acoustic Alchemy, with his brother Gary joining in 2006. The Grangers continue to be very active through a multitude of musical outlets. In this in-depth interview, Truth and Rhythm speaks to the Grangers about their pockets legacy, including the album, song, stage shows, and relationship with Verdine White and Earth, Wind & Fire, their subsequent musical adventures, and current and upcoming projects, including the return of pockets. You'll find this to be a journey well worth taking. So then, if you would, come go with them. Hey, welcome once again to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership, where today I'm joined by bassist, singer, Gary Granger, and percussionist, drummer, Gregory Granger. Brothers by blood and also as bandmates with 1970s R&B funk band Pockets. Gentlemen, so glad to have you. How are you today? Good, good. Thank Great. you. Good. All good. Good to be here. Glad to have you. So um, you're coming to us from where today? Well, this is from Baltimore. Yes. Where everything began. Yes. Yeah. Actually, yeah, this is the house. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So it's a bit of history there, huh? Oh, yeah, lots of history. It's a little bit. Up. Yep. Excellent. So, you know, it's great to have you on the show. Been a fan since, you know, the late 70s when you got started. And, uh, you know, you guys have gotten into a lot of other stuff since then. But, you know, going way back to the classic stuff you did in the 70s, it stands the test of time. So great to have you on the show. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Going to test your memory banks. Hopefully, uh... Uh, <laughs> let's see what happens. Okay. <laughs> Between the two of you, we'll get, you know, Mm -hmm. <laughs> a story that makes sense. <laughs> so, but uh, for the viewers at home, please identify who's who. Okay. The hat, brown hat, this is Gary Granger. I'm the bassist. Okay, and the Baltimore Ravens cap right here, I'm Gregory Granger. They call me Greg. I play uh, drums and I play percussion. Now. Apologies about the Chargers, but... They're out of it too now. <laughs> exactly. They they got what they should have gotten. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm a Cowboys fan, so next year for us too. Yeah. Ooh. I was I was rooting for you as well. So I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, tell me what it was like when you were growing up. When did you first get into music? What was it like in the Granger household? Was it musical? How did all that get started? Yeah, it was basically musical. Our father really got got us all started. He uh, played trumpet, but because you know he had six kids, so he couldn't do it professionally. He had to go out and work for the six kids and the family and everything. But he made everybody take uh, piano lessons in the beginning. Uh, so we all took piano, um, but we all went to our own individual instruments by choice. It was our choice. Uh, he had a lot of instruments here at home. Uh, he brought, he introduced us to a lot of different instruments. 
And with mine, being a bass player, he came in uh, from work one time with an old St. George bass uh, that I gravitated to. And mom said I just took it down to the basement and just stayed down there and played with it forever. <laughs> so, um, and Greg, you had your story was with um, um, seeing us play, right? Um, with my old band or a little uh, neighborhood band, I would I would say, right? Yeah. Be, being the youngest, so I I heard music from my five older siblings, so that's all I heard. And apparently, um, um, I used to beat uh, telephone books and ashtrays. So I guess I wanted to be a drummer when I was little. My sister played drums and percussions. Apparently, she was really good. Um, but she couldn't do it professionally. Back then, you couldn't have a woman on drum set. If Sheila E had been born back then, there would be no Sheila E. It's terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I would check out uh, Gary's band rehearsing, and I would listen to Glenn's band, the other brother who plays trumpet yeah. band rehearsing, and I would just watch the drums. And I wanted to play drums. I started playing snare drum at seven and then moved to drum set at 13. Uh, but then I started playing percussion later on down the line when I had a chance to join this right. fantastic group. Upcoming group. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> but that could be the rest of the story. But yeah. that's when I actually went and became a percussionist. But I'll let you, you know, a little bit of a mystery there yeah. as to what <laughs> group that was. <laughs> there you go. So were you guys that good, that young, or was there sort of a racket coming from the Granger household that, how did the neighbors take to that? I think the neighbors really liked it, really. Uh, there was never any kind of complaints from us, and we was making a lot of noise back in the basement. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, no, no real complaints from the neighbors. Yeah, everybody liked it. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm going to say yes, because so the oldest brother played uh, sax, and then my sister played Percussion, which meant she played xylophone as well. And then there was a uh, Glenn played piano. Yeah. The other brother played trombone. trombone and yeah. I remember they recorded a 78 at, I guess it was either the high school or the middle school. You remember that? Middle school, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I remember yeah. finding it and my dad playing it and saying, see, this your brother's your brother than your, your sister. <laughs> and so they recorded and they sound good. So yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. We were good. We were, we were the Jacksons. We were the poor Jacksons <laughs> in Baltimore. Just begin with a G. You know? Yeah, right. But the music was just as good. And, and you were in Baltimore at that time, also. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, those cold winters, you know, I think that probably lends itself to staying inside and getting with your instruments, right? Yeah, that helps. I mean, you know, you don't want to be out there in, in that freezing weather. So and. Um, Everybody enjoyed music and really loved music. It was our passion, so it all worked out. And did did you end up having any formal lessons, or did you play in school at all? Um, I didn't have any technical formal lessons. I went to school. I thought I was going to be an artist, actually. Um, and I still like to paint and draw and everything. But I went to went through high school and actually went to college. You know, for getting an art degree. Um, that got sidestepped because I uh, did two years in college. And at the time I was, when I was playing, you know, through high school and going to college, I was doing uh, some side gigs in different clubs and everything. And a friend of mine, Al McKinney, which is actually uh, the partner 
in, in pockets uh had this gig to come up with uh luther luther ingram mm -hmm. soul singer uh right six weeks in florida right when i was right in the middle school <laughs> middle of, of college so i had to think about really hard i said hmm they want to stay in college they want to get, get started with this you know this big time singer because i i didn't know i was like i love music so i went with the singer went down my parents was very upset that i, I, I left I school that. i remember that conversation <laughs> but you know I'm, i went ahead with it and, and my father said okay you made your decision so i hope it all works out and it did so that that's uh well that's later on in the story as greg said yeah yeah and well, nothing else it was a lot warmer right <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. I had some uh, formal uh, training. I went to to Peabody Conservatory, got a scholarship there, um, and uh, like I said, I was really heavy on snare drums or rudiments and reading and everything. And when I started playing drum set, that's what I went to Peabody. So yeah, I had some training there as well, as far as drum set playing and reading drum set music. Um, taught myself percussion i actually got together with a few really good percussionists in the area and uh they showed me a few things to work on and i just practiced really hard at it but i, I remember that that conversation yeah between mom and dad i remember you know i don't want him to quit school oh and that's what he wants to do you know so <laughs> i just remember that conversation yeah yeah and what you are older uh, i'm older so he kind of made it possibly easier for you down the line to do something similar. <laughs> he made it easier because Glenn actually did it first. Yeah, well, above me. The, the one yeah. who plays trumpet. Uh, okay. And I'll just say that he was a true musician, as Lonnie Liston Smith yeah. <laughs> likes to say. <laughs> he's a true musician. So when Gary did it, Gary was a very conscientious, smart musician. <laughs> so, you know, when I decided to do it, it was like, well, he's either going to be like Gary or he's going to be like Glenn. <laughs> oh, we think he's going to be like Gary. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it worked out. Everything yeah. worked out. So when the two of you were, you know, in your formal, formulative years musically, let's say in your teens or, you know, mid to late teens, and you were starting to play more and more and get deeper into music, who are some of the artists or bands that you really gravitated towards and looked up to and wanted to emulate? Well, for myself, I would say, uh, when I was going downstairs in the basement and turning on the radio and trying to learn to play uh, lines that I heard on the radio, it's called the R&B station. And at that time it was heavily in the Motown, James Brown, uh, Sly Family Stones, uh, Stevie Wonder, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Was, was kind of what I was listening to all the time. And I'm self-taught, so that's that's what I gravitated to. Um, as far as bass heroes, I would say my first bass hero is probably Larry Graham from Sly and Family Stones, because you know he came up with that slap sound that I had to figure out how he was doing it until I saw him live. I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, aha. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I was trying to do it just, just Hitting my finger on it, you know, just doing it that way. I didn't know he was using his thumb. <laughs> so, yeah, that that was a eye opener. But yeah, I would say Larry Graham, and then it went on from there uh, to a lot of different bass players that I enjoyed listening to. Yeah, 
It came up at a great time. Yeah, I guess <laughs> out of six, I heard a lot of what was being played by you know my older brothers and my sister. So Sly, um, I heard um, someone apparently liked Led Zeppelin because I can remember Led Zeppelin. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I didn't know I liked Led Zeppelin until I joined Acoustic Alchemy and I was talking to the tour manager and we were talking about rock and he said, so what are some of the rock bands you like? I said, I, I don't know if I like rock, but I re I like this song that goes da 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 He said, oh, that's Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I said, I like yeah. this one that goes da 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 He said, oh, that's Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Led Zeppelin yeah. So I realized that I did like Led Zeppelin. Um, and Weather Report, I heard a lot of Weather Report. Somebody started listening, whether that was well, you or that, Glenn. That was, uh, it might have been me. Yeah. Because I was getting into your, the jazz phase. At that time, listen to a whole bunch of jazz music. Uh, yeah, so I kind of, you know, hand-me-down clothes. I kind of got caught in the hand-me-down music, and that's what I kind of gravitated towards. Drummers, um, of course, most drummers start off liking the what I call the chop drummers. Like, come on, Billy Cobham is wonderful. Um, Tony Williams, um, cats like that. Um, Jack Dejanet. Um, Buddy Rich. Buddy Rich. Yeah. Gene yeah. yeah. Gene Krupa. Gene Krupa. Because even then, I kind of still gravitated more towards the the groove. And once I really, I realized that I really like the the feeling of the groove, uh, like the Steve Gadd drummers or the Harvey Masons and the Bernard Purdy's. Um, and um, um, who was Toto's drummer? I forget his name. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Carl. Yeah. 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 So I kind of started gravitating towards that type of sound, drummer wise, but all of them were influences in a lot of different ways. So, what professional or semi professional experiences did each of you have, you know, leading up to the formation of Pockets? Well, that neighborhood band that I said that Greg used to listen to, uh, that band was called uh, Charlie and Company. Uh, Charles Williams, trumpet player. Um, we kind of grew up together here out in Cherry Hill and had that little neighborhood group where I used to take the bass, uh, get on the bus with the iron board case, put the bass inside the iron board case and catch the bus up to rehearsals to churches and schools and all kind of stuff like that. Right. Um, so eventually that particular band, you know, we did parties, private parties, little small clubs, some little small things, um, proms and things like that. Um, and then I told you, uh, another friend of mine plays keys, Al McKinney. When I met him, that's when I was getting into the whole jazz phase stuff. Eventually that group became a group called Inner Visions. After the Stevie Wonder album, or and yeah, it might have been after. You know, that's where we got the name from, and all that was was uh, it was like Charlie Company, but it was a different rhythm section, and Charles and I think uh, the the horn player that was in Charlie Company, um, well, the horn players that was in Charlie Company, didn't really want to do the jazz side, right. so. We had intervisions. We're doing clubs, playing jazz clubs. Um, in particular, one club called the Sportsman's Lounge. And I'm going into the whole history of how everything got started. The Sportsman's Lounge, uh, we used to play there weekly. 
And the owner of the sportsman's just so happened to have a house in California uh, next door to Verdeen White. So at that particular time, um, Maurice gave the assignment to, I guess, everybody in Earth, Wind, and Fire to go out and you know find groups to produce, find artists to produce for Kalimba Productions. And uh, Verdeen picked us, or Verdeen heard about us from that manager of that club, and he came to Baltimore to hear us as Intervisions. Um, he liked the group. They start talking, you know, deals and everything. At that particular time, the the horn player that we had in Intervisions, they just wanted to play jazz and not, you know, any kind of pop stuff. So I called my buddy Charlie from Charlie Company and asked that horn section, well, we all come in, we got this, you know, deal coming up that, that may be good for everybody. Come on and join Intervisions and we'll see, you know, what we can do. So that horn section came over to Intervisions rhythm section. And then we went out to California, but Verdeen said, you really need a lead singer or a lead voice to, to, to put all this together. And they found this guy in uh, San Francisco, Larry Jacobs, and, and brought him down to get with the group. And that's how the whole pocket stuff got started. And that's really the history of that. Right. Uh, but that was Jim Brown, right? Uh, no, Jim Brown happened to be a, a good friend of that club. Uh, he okay. may have been part management, but it wasn't Jim Brown. It was, uh, uh, I, I forget the guy's name that owned the club. Uh, I, I forget his name right Yeah, now. I was thinking yeah. Bryce, but that's a different club. No, that's, yeah. that's another club. Right. Yeah. 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 Jim's Brown, Jim Brown was a, a manager of that club too, or an owner of that club. Oh, did, did you see him around at all? Or I never saw Jim Brown there. Okay. No. And Gregory, what were you doing at that time? Yeah, I was going to uh, I was going to high school, <laughs> and I was playing with uh, my neighborhood band, uh, Free and Free and Evil. Uh, we named it after the song "Free" by Chicago and the song "Evil" of Earth, Wind, and Fire. We just liked both of those songs, so we called it "Free and Evil." <laughs> But uh, yeah, we were trying to do everything Charlie and Company was doing. If they did a song, we did that song. If they did an arrangement of a song, we did their arrangement of that song. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I joined Pockets uh, after the second album. Um, I was my uh, freshman year of college, uh, and Pockets came out, and it was it was cool because I got some 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 cred because you know my brother is in pockets and pockets is on tour with earth wind and fire so it was oh yeah so that's your brother and you know them oh cool mm -hmm. so it was still very nice um and um gary approached me and said uh look we need a percussionist because there's a lot of percussions on our cd on our album at that time he said so this could be your chance to actually start playing professionally and I was like, I play drums. He said, well, you can put down the sticks for a minute and learn how to play percussion and join the group. And then you'll be a professional musician. Similar thing. It was my second year of college. Mm -hmm. um, same conversation with mom. Same conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Do you guys have a script to work with by then? <laughs> well, see, by that time, when uh, 
<laughs> when we hit with uh, 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 Stop Going Out with Earth, Wind & Fire and the, the first album came out and Come Go With Me was a hit, the whole attitude with mom and dad changed because they, they saw we were playing, you know, Madison Square Garden and all these places where Earth, Wind & Fire. So, oh, maybe this is this is for real, yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, it may have been a little easier for you. <laughs> it was easier, and it, for and if for for that reason, and then in my brain, I'm thinking, well, yeah, they're out with Earth, Wind, and Fire, so I, I'll be rich in three years. Yeah. And if I want to, you know, go to because I really wanted to go to Berkeley. I was going to Morgan for music education. I really wanted to study music performance. I said, well, I'll, I'll make all my money and I'll go to Berkeley for music performance. You know, in between the tours, so it just made sense. Yeah, made sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I became the uh, percussionist. Um, George Gray, who was the drummer, uh, who for Pockets, um, everybody was really good friends. So from time to time, um, George would allow me to play. I think it was the encore yeah. tune on drums. So I still had a chance to play drums, and I actually did one song. He let me do a song on the third album uh, mm -hmm. called uh, "Why'd You Do That." Yeah. Uh, so it was cool. Plus, percussion, playing percussion, actually, it helped my uh, my coach as far as playing drums are concerned. I, I started listening different, uh, differently. Uh, so musically, it it helped with my with my growth. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm glad I did it. Plus, I got into the business. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so so like when when yeah. yeah. I'm gonna pick. Gary's brain a little bit more here for the first record, then we'll get caught up on the second one. Mm -hmm. um, first off, when you first got uh, connected with Verdine White, what was that like? What were your first impressions of Verdine? I mean, it was Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, the bass player of Earth, Wind, and Fire. I was like <laughs> blown away. Um, I couldn't believe that they picked us out of all those million groups, first place. Uh, it's it's kind of like a fairy tale saying, you know, have somebody come to hear you and say, all right, we're going to sign you. Move you to California and you're going to sign a record. Now you're going to go on tour with one of the biggest groups in the world. Right. And then your the first tune you put out becomes a hit. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> it was, I was like, okay, this, this is really good. Right. right. <laughs> well, it was very exciting for me to, to meet Verdine and, you know, learn from him learn a lot of studio techniques, you know, all that stuff from him. It was really cool. Well, you know, well, it must have been especially thrilling for you because a fellow bass player, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was really, really, really good. And, you know, good for me. I, I learned, like I said, I learned a lot uh, from him and listening to him and then doing those shows where we would just sit behind the stage and watch mm -hmm. Earth and the Fire come on. I, I learned about performing aspect because at that time they were like they were back on the top it was cool yeah we're talking this was like 76 or 77 right exactly yeah 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 so they were right at the zenith of yeah popularity um and also their stage show yeah <clears throat> um interesting how you guys both had the uh, earth one and fire connection though you had it in the name of your group and you had it actually getting connected for deep yeah yeah, well, I, I loved Earth, Wind, and Fire. I mean, as a drummer, you know, that was one of the groups that I said I'm going to play for at some time. So, yeah. And what was Verdine like, though, as just kind of a person or a guy? He was great. He was funny, uh, tell jokes. You know, he's just, just a regular cat. Yeah. You know, down to earth. 
But yeah, when when it's time to do business, he was serious about you know making sure stuff was right and correct. But yeah, he was he was really fun to hang out with. It was cool. He's so full of energy, you know, when he performs. Oh yeah. Is is he is he ever is he look opposite that you know when he's not performing or? I would say no. Right. He's still <laughs> he's always up. Right. He's always up. Yeah. yeah. Talks fast. Yeah. Up. Moves fast. That's yeah. that's ready. Wow. Yeah. Well, he's got. He should have bottled that, you know, and sold that. That would have made a mint. You know, he's, he's still the same way. He has not. Changed. He has not yeah. changed. Yeah. God bless him. Yeah. Um, and you got to meet everyone else in Earthwind of Fire, or what? Oh yeah, yeah. We met everyone. You know, uh, the what Maurice, the the whole old group, Larry Dunn. Yeah. Um, uh, the guitar player passed away. Um, um, there are Graham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Al McKay, yeah, all, all those cats. All the sax player that passed away too. Um, alto sax. Yeah, yeah. Um, Donald Myrick is it? Donald. I want to say that's Donald. Myrick. I think it's Donald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he on the one reasons he says he plays so nice on the alto horn, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he yeah, plays so right. beautiful, don't yeah. you agree? Yeah. 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 Um. Plus, you got to meet um. The office people, which were their family as well, Monty. Yeah, Monty. Um, Verding's twin. Sister. Yeah, <laughs> Jerry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. All that. Yeah, it was amazing cool. times. So, what was it like when you first went out to California? Had you ever been before? Mm, well, yeah, and this is a funny story too. <laughs> uh, going back to you, you were saying about the well, you were saying about uh, weather report. Right. Right. Right before all that stuff happened and we got signed. Um, are you familiar with a drummer named Chester Thompson? No. Okay. Chester played with everybody. You know him. Zappa. Uh, Genesis. Genesis. Phil Collins. All, all those. But at that time, Chester was also playing for Weather Report. So somewhere in between, pretty close to when Pockets got signed, Chester called me and said, look, this group is uh, is looking for bass players. Like to know if you may be interested in flying out to California. That was my first time flying to California with uh, from him. And that was an audition for a weather report. Mm -hmm. uh, it just so happened that at that time I got there, they already decided to that that's going to sign Jocko because I already heard, had Jocko. So they was like made the decision for that. So of course I didn't get that gig, which <laughs> people play Al McKinney saying, I'm so glad you didn't get that gig because I got this deal, you know, for pockets. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a funny story that people don't know about. But yeah. Yeah, I could see them deciding not to see other people after Jocko came in. You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> not a bad person yeah. to lose a gig to, I think. Yeah. That, that yeah. was my actually first time flying to California for that audition. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about how that first record came together. Um, did the single come out before the album? Is that how it transpired? At that time, I think the planning for the album was all done and they already picked what would be the single and what would follow. That's how they did it back in those days. Mm. Uh, so yeah, the single came out before the actual album came out in advance yeah that's what i was thinking so you already kind of knew that it was catching fire 
at radio and things like that before the actual album came out then, right? Yeah, and, and it was very business savvy that they put us on tour with Earth, Wind & Fire because all it did was just boost it, right? The sales of, of that, that single from being on tour with Earth, Wind & Fire. So it all kind of worked out. Were you the only uh, act on the bill with Earth, Wind & Fire at that time or did they have emotions or anyone else like? <coughs> no, excuse me. Uh, it was uh, us and Denise Williams. Uh, yep. And there was a particular show where there were the emotions on there with us, but that particular tour was called the All in All Tour, and it mm -hmm. was Pockets, uh, Denise Williams, and Earth, Wind & Fire. Oh, man. Uh, I saw Earth, Wind & Fire. must have been the tour after that. Um, and All in All is like my favorite album of theirs, so that would have been incredible yeah. Yeah, to uh, see that one. Um, so that first record, though, I want to uh, go a little more in depth on that. How how did you get it together? How were the songs picked out? And what was it like just going through the process of producing and putting that record together? Well, fortunately for us, most of those tunes we have already worked out here in Baltimore. Um, uh, you know, just just working on originals. And a lot of the writing came from us for that first particular uh, album. Um, especially like Come Go With Me, we already did. We, we actually made up Come Go With Me in this place called The Birdcage in Baltimore. <laughs> that's, that's the beginning of that, that song. Yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of the songs that was on uh, the Come Go With Us um, album was already done, you know, created from pockets. Did you feel like uh, Come Go With Me was going to be a hit? Did you have a sense about it? Yeah, I had a pretty good feeling from that song, especially um, when we played the, the, the chorus, the hook. It just had a beautiful, uplifting feeling mm -hmm. every time we did it. So yeah. I just had, had a real good feeling about that song. And I, I guess, was going to say, very joyous feel to it. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. Um. I'm going to just mention some of the other tracks and a little bit of feedback on them, and then you can like talk about it. Um, you had uh, also on that record, Posado, which was like a mellow soul track. Um, One Day at a Time, to me, was a standout. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of like a reasons-like mm -hmm. ballad. Yeah. Um, I could have seen Philip Bailey definitely doing that one. Yeah. Um, doing the Do, a really fast and jazzy track. Mm -hmm. In the Pocket, another highlight to me, nice, bouncy, funky kind of R&B track. Yeah. Uh, Nothing is Stronger was a little more disco soul, real bright and upbeat. Elusive Lady, a really kind of classy soul ballad. Yeah. And uh, Wizard Was It, which was uh, another really fast kind of jazzy fusion type of track. So um, very, very nice first record. Do you, do you have any special memories about any of those tracks that I just mentioned? Uh, during that time, I would have to say, yeah, I was really just concentrating on trying to learn how to play bass better. Um, and I guess uh, the wizard was it, which was a conversation that 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 I created. Um, I was kind of getting my influence from the the whole weather report side, and that's kind of where that came from. Um, a lot of the other songs, like uh, Posado, 
was is actually a song from the five stair steps that we uh you know we got from them and we recorded it re-recorded it because really loved their sound um other than that it was just i remember creating those songs uh with the band it was very uh uplifting collaborating with everybody all together back in those days uh al mckinney the keyboardist really really learned a lot from him too yeah so i was like the making of music he was the one that really said that look uh back in Intervisions, you really need to start recording your own stuff instead of uh playing everybody else's stuff because that's really the only way you're gonna make it and that's why we started recording our own stuff really yeah it was cool from the side of not being in pockets yet but everybody telling me about oh man your brother's group sounds great we heard the single on the radio but and i was still with free and evil some of the guys and so we played the uh the wizard was it yeah track and it was like, oh yeah, we have to, we had to learn this. Listen to this, man. <laughs> Listen to these horn lines. Yeah, you know. So it was inspiring for me just to hear stuff that I, I knew that they were working on, and then to actually hear it on the record and to hear it on, on the radio was a big deal as well. Yeah. You know the uh, singer uh, Jacobs, right? Larry, Larry mm -hmm. Jacobs. Larry Jacobs. Yeah. I don't know if you picked up on this or if just me, but I felt like a little bit of like Lenny Williams, Tower of Power kind of feel to his his vibe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very unique voice. Yeah. yeah. You're not alone. A lot of people yeah. have to say that about Larry and Lenny. Yep. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so that song, uh, Come Go With Me, uh, got up to number 17 on the chart. And I think the album also got to 17. So that's kind of interesting. Hmm the way that that turned out um and uh what was Verdeen white like as a producer really serious but fun uh stuff in the studio never got heavy you know we would just go through the tracks if someone would like miss something i mean back in those days you had to really go in if you mess up you got to re-record it. it ain't like you can do it to computers these days so yeah no he was really fun light but serious, you know, about getting the business done, you know, keeping to the time schedule, but um, never, never really heavy, heavily on you about anything, you know, if, if that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did he actually ever demonstrate anything like take the bass and say, I like this here and then give yeah. it back to you? Yeah, he did. Matter of fact, I, I think the song, uh, One Day at a Time. You're saying how you can, you know, hit the notes like do do, do do, you know, make that that real staccato, and get that feel. So yeah, so I got that from him. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. Um, what was it like for you and your your uh, bandmates when you're out on the road for the first time? I mean, was it just uh, did you guys uh, were you policed at all? Were you self policed, or how did that go down? I would probably say we were policed a little bit because. Uh, we didn't know what, what we were doing. <laughs> we came from a little jazz club to playing Madison Square Garden. It was like, what? Um, but yeah, everybody was somewhat controlled, but we had a we had a tour manager, we had a road manager and a tour manager. So they kept us in line, you know, youngsters, you know, flying off the handle, trying to don't party too much, and they got work to do. So right. Yeah. Because Kevin was how old? The trombonist was what, nineteen? Uh, 18? Maybe, maybe, yeah, 18, yeah. maybe even younger. 
saving it being there. Do you remember about how many dates you did on that first first go round? Oh God! Wow. Roughly. Maybe. Maybe sixty. Maybe seventy. It was a bunch of dates. That's that's a way to get it it done. Get broken in, man. You yeah. you were seasoned after that. Yeah, I mean, first time, first time on the tour bus. Tour bus comes to pick us up in Cherry Hill. That's big time there. Yeah, it was. That <laughs> was know, out here, and you know, these like projects looking houses, and this big tour bus come, and we get on it. I say, yeah, okay, that's <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. So you're off and running. Um, and and how did you come up with the name pockets? Pockets came from the groove. Um, Al McKinney, the keyboard player, we always say when we're playing, uh, if somebody goes like a little bit shy from the groove, he's like, all right, stop it, put it in the pocket, put it in the pocket, get in the pocket. So that's what it came from. I can I think that came from an old R B R B R and B saying, maybe from one of those old groups. Mm -hmm. Maybe even James Brown or Wilson Pickett or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I've yeah. heard it, but I don't know where it's it's, it's, it's old school. Yeah. Like put it in the pocket. Well, get back in the pocket. Yeah. If the drummer's playing and if it's locked, yeah, so that drummer's got a nice pocket. Yeah. I guess it's a groove that you can get into and then feel comfortable, I guess. Yeah. 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 Especially for you guys, drums and bass, man, you gotta be in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, all right. So the second record. Take it on up, which came out a year later. What changed? What was different? What had transpired going into making that record? Um, from what I remember, uh, we did some writing on that record, but not. There was more outside influences uh, doing some writing in at that time. So that's kind of, I think, half and half, maybe. If, if that much. Um, and I think that happened mainly because everybody was trying to get used to that whole scene, you know, being an artist at that level and, and trying to keep stuff going. So we didn't have the opportunity to get together and write like we did for the first record, which we already had songs already prepared, you know, because we was out there on tour working, 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 and then Next record comes. Okay, we need to create some songs and get some songs. So that's how that's how that happened. And I think on that on that album, we did another uh, remake of a five stair step song called uh, "Tell Me Why." Yeah, I think that was on that album. Mm -hmm. Yep, third track. Yep. What was the uh, who had the love affair with with the stair steps? <laughs> Probably myself and the keyboard player. Mm -hmm. We really love this, this this songs, love their writing. This record uh, overall, I would say for me personally, I thought it was definitely a step forward from the first one. Mm -hmm. Overall, a lot stronger, um, just seemed more fully realized, you know, with the songs and the delivery, just mm -hmm. more assured, um, more consistent. Well, everyone was definitely in more training then. I remember uh, 
going to vocal lessons along with the band, especially Larry going to vocal lessons, um, vocal lessons that was given by the Earth, Wind & Fire people. So uh, yeah, everybody's kind of in more training, trying to get this stuff up to par <laughs> to compete, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you went through boot camp and then you were uh, in officer school or something. <laughs> I'm just gonna again mention uh, go through go through the tracks on this one so uh, viewers uh, know what was on here and you can ch chime in with memories about any of the tracks. But um, Heaven Knows was a real uh, disco soul to me. Really had a lot of that Philly kind of flavor to it. Okay. Um, Take it on up. Really catchy, danceable R&B. Um, I definitely heard Earth, Wind, and Fire influence in that one. The horns, really great horns um gotta find my way sort of a light airy r&b track happy for love to me great catchy r&b little earth one fire influence again yep. i don't understand why that one wasn't like you know a bigger hit because mm. uh, i think it should have been funk it over was probably your most overt funk track that you did and <laughs> real cool uh plucky plucking uh bass in that one you must have had fun with that one yeah and uh, you and only you sort of a cha-cha ballad by Ray Parker. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, Lay Your Head on My Shoulder. Um, reminded me a little bit of Earth, Wind & Fire's uh, It's All About Love. Okay. Ah. And uh, In Your Eyes, kind of a different departure. is like an acoustic thing for you guys. Yeah. I remember yeah, Jake, so. uh, the guitarist, Larry and Jake got together with that one. A nice gem because they 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 just created it and said, "Oh, this is beautiful. That's got to record it." Yeah, mm. yeah. Lots of variety on there. So you know, did you have a blast doing the funk it track? And and how come? Uh, I, of course, it's out of your hands. But did you think "Happy for Love" should have been a bigger hit too? Uh, at that time, I probably was not even thinking about the whole business aspect of it. I was probably more enjoying you being in the moment of what was happening at that time. Uh, I probably should have been more, <laughs> more concerned about the business of it, but you know, but not. I, I truly was just enjoying that that particular phase of my life, uh, being where we were, because uh, they had us in a. Oh, at that time they had us in a mansion in Beverly Hills, the band. And we were recording, you know, down in Beverly Hills. I mean, down in, you know, in Sunset, Sunset Studios. So I missed that. Yeah. I, I still I still wasn't <laughs> part of that yet. So <laughs> we had a swimming pool, everything. <laughs> wow. So um how did you feel about how the record turned out and and how it was received and how did you feel about the project? Well, I learned a lot about the whole concept of, of, of when they, Earth, Wind & Fire, when they produce something, how, what the production is. Because when we did our tracks, you know, it's just straight up rhythm section. But then later on, I come back, I hear a string section. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, okay, we got a, got a horn section and the horn section is being supported by some other horns. I said, oh, okay, this is getting bigger. So yeah, I, I learned, I didn't know about that before I got with them. So that taught me a lot of about how to produce 
that particular sound and what it takes. So that was a good learning experience. Mm -hmm. And it sounded amazing, sounded big. Yeah. 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 So they were layering a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. 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 Which they were so great at. Yep. 